It's Monday, March 4th. Welcome to our new podcast, Skim This. Every Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., we're breaking down the biggest, most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. A lot happens during the day, and we're here to help. Let's get into it. Today, we're talking Venezuela, a political standoff, a country in desperate need of aid, and threats of a coup. We're going to connect the dots for you. Also, Senator Rand Paul says he'll vote down President Trump's national emergency declaration. We'll tell you why he's taking a stand against an old friend. Then, we're kicking off Women's History Month. And finally, we'll remember actor Luke Perry. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today, the big story is Venezuela. There are currently two people calling themselves president. The one who's got the backing of the U.S. returned to the country today, and he could be arrested by the one who's sitting in the presidential palace. What happens at the end of the standoff could set the stage for big changes in Venezuela, which could have implications for global politics. So we're going to give you some context on the story. First, we'll start off with some background on how this political standoff began. Second, we'll tell you more about why the U.S. has been so involved. And third, we'll answer the big outstanding question. Where does this drama go from here? Okay, so how did all this start? So the guy sitting in the presidential palace is Nicolas Maduro. He took over after President Hugo Chavez died in 2013. That year, Maduro was elected, but some people said that vote was rigged. When Maduro ran for re-election last year, lots of people inside and outside of Venezuela said he rigged it again. And there were lots of protests when he stayed in power. In comes Juan Guaido. He's 35 years old, the head of the opposition party, and the head of parliament. Guaido used a constitutional procedure to declare himself the rightful interim president of Venezuela. Maduro was obviously pissed. He had Guaido briefly arrested. His attorney general launched an investigation into Guaido, and Venezuela's Supreme Court froze Guaido's assets in the bank and forbade him from leaving the country. But Guaido kept protesting and became the hometown hero, in part because life has sucked for people in Venezuela lately. Hyperinflation has caused prices to skyrocket, like a pound of butter costs 6,000 bolivars. That's about one-third of Venezuela's minimum monthly wage. People can't find basic groceries at the supermarket, and they're going hungry. Literally, they call it the Maduro diet. And people are hitting the road. Since 2015, about 3 million people have fled the country. A lot of them have come to the U.S. Many Venezuelans blame Maduro and Hugo Chavez before him for ruining the economy. Maduro is blaming U.S. sanctions. We'll talk more about that in a sec. So a lot of people have been throwing their weight behind Guaido. As of now, that includes about 50 countries. Vice President Pence met with Guaido last week in Colombia after Guaido snuck out of the country. Guaido was on a tour meeting with leaders of neighboring countries. Last night, he announced on Twitter that he was coming back to Venezuela. So today, Guaido was escorted back into the country by top diplomats from the U.S. and Europe. He drove past crowds of people lining the streets to welcome him back and to protest. So that's what's happening today. A lot of drama. Which brings us to why the U.S. has been so involved in this. Venezuela has the world's largest oil reserves. Oil makes up 95% of Venezuela's exports, and the U.S. is Venezuela's biggest customer. But Venezuela's economy has been struggling. 
oil exports last year were at the lowest level since the 1990s. But since Chavez, Venezuela has also been a socialist country, something you've been hearing President Trump complain a lot about. He says it's the reason why Venezuela's economy hasn't been holding up lately. Socialism has so completely ravaged this great country that even the world's largest reserves of oil are no longer enough to keep the lights on. So what are they doing? The Trump administration has been trying to get Maduro out for a while. It's put a lot of sanctions on Venezuela over the past few years. The latest was on Friday, when the U.S. sanctioned specific Venezuelan officials for refusing to let humanitarian aid into the country. Because remember, everyone is hungry. And President Trump says he's leaving all options on the table to get Maduro out of office, including military support, though others in the administration are downplaying it. So the big question is, what happens next for Venezuela? Guaido says he's open to three scenarios moving forward. One is a peaceful transition. Maduro steps down, Guaido steps up, and everyone chills out. Another is to have new free and fair elections. The head of the Organization of American States, which represents North and South America, says he now supports this even if it means Maduro runs for office again. The third option is a military coup, though he says it would be the military rightfully taking Guaido's side. But members of the military aren't defecting fast enough to make this a likely scenario, and Venezuela's neighbors have made it clear they're not too keen on this option. Guaido is warning that if he's arrested today, not only would Venezuelans fight for him, so would other countries. So what's the skim here? Many international leaders have thrown their verbal support behind Guaido. Last night, the U.S. National Security Advisor said the U.S. and its allies would have a, quote, strong and significant response if anything happens to Guaido. But it's one thing to say, I got you. It's another thing to actually send military support. And that's why we're watching this so carefully. And two other countries have deep ties to Venezuela, China and Russia. They're telling the U.S. and the EU to back off and leave Maduro alone. So this showdown could extend way beyond Venezuela. There's also a standoff happening in D.C. between lawmakers and the White House over presidential power and the border wall. We'll have more on one of the major players there coming up. So Democrats have made their feelings pretty clear about President Trump's national emergency declaration to fund a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. The House voted to block the declaration last week. That set off a two-week timer for a Senate decision. And since Republicans are in control there, they'll be the deciding votes. Four Republicans now say they'll vote against it, including Kentucky Senator Rand Paul. So we've got three things you need to know about Paul and why his position matters. First, Rand Paul is a libertarian. Basically, he thinks Washington should mind its own business. He sides with Democrats on issues like war and drug policy, but he sides with Republicans on almost everything else, like gun rights and lowering taxes. In a Fox News op-ed that came out late last night, Paul explained that he's all for the wall and better border security, but that he's against the president using declarations of national emergency to get the money for it. Paul says it comes down to the constitutional rights of Congress and the separation of powers that Congress has the power of the purse and gets to decide how to spend money. He says Congress set a limit for the wall and the president signed it. The second thing you need to know is that Paul has said this before. 
Like when President Barack Obama signed a bunch of executive orders because Congress wasn't passing anything. The president acts like he's a king. He ignores the Constitution. He arrogantly says, if Congress will not act, then I must. These are not the words of a great leader. These are the words that sound more like the exclamations of an autocrat. In his op-ed, Paul reminded President Trump that he was opposed to this kind of executive action, too. Which brings us to the third thing you need to know. Rand Paul and President Trump are buddies. They play golf together. Paul even hand-delivered a letter from Trump to Russian President Vladimir Putin. And a lot of times, Paul has very publicly said he's going to oppose Trump. And then he eventually backed down, like on the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court, or on Mike Pompeo becoming the Secretary of State, or on Trump's tax bill. He voted in favor of all of those. But this time might be different. In his Fox News op-ed, Paul wrote that the president's national emergency order for the wall contradicts the will of Congress. They voted for $1.3 billion and no more. And he said the Supreme Court might follow suit and block the national emergency as well. So it's Women's History Month, and we're excited to celebrate some women who have done amazing things throughout history. One woman we think everyone should know more about is Ida B. Wells. Wells was born into slavery during the Civil War, and later in the 1890s, she led protests against lynching. In 1909, she helped found the NAACP. Alongside civil rights, she fought for women's rights. She was a suffragist, and she stood up to racism in that movement too, like when she famously marched alongside white women at the first suffrage parade in DC, instead of going to the back when she was told to. She helped all women get the right to vote in Illinois. Then she worked hard to get everyone to the polls. Wells is also remembered for her work as a journalist. Today, the Ida B. Wells Society for Investigative Reporting supports reporters of color getting into investigative journalism. If you want to know more about women like Wells and the passage of the 19th Amendment, we've got an audio deep dive on our Skim app. You can download it on the App Store and get access to bonus Skim content. So today is a big day for us, our first show, but it's also a sad day. This afternoon, we learned that actor Luke Perry died. He was 52 years old. His publicist says he suffered a massive stroke. Fans of the show Riverdale may know Perry as Archie Andrews' dad, but he first became famous as bad boy Dylan McKay on Beverly Hills 90210, and he brooded his way into our hearts for eight seasons. Perry was a virtual unknown when he scored that gig, but right after the show launched, his status became clear. Perry was scheduled to sign autographs at a mall in Florida. They expected 2,000 fans, but it turned into a 10,000-person stampede. He was on stage for like 90 seconds before he had to evacuate. It was a total rock star moment. And that's all for Skim This. We love that you're listening to us. Thank you. To make us part of your evening routine, hit subscribe. And you can let us know what you think by leaving us a review. And if you want more news first thing tomorrow morning, check out our newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can subscribe at theskim.com. 